0: Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, it is so good to have all of you for week two of our series entitled Tough as Nails. Now, there's no denying this past week Americans experienced a very interesting week because we went and we voted to elect the people who are going to lead our country for the next four years, and it's kind of been an interesting election season like no before. But here's the thing we know. No matter the outcome, here's what I know about you you are concerned with and you're invested in how this election is going to impact the future of our country. Because after all that we've been through in 2020, as we said last week, the anxiety in our nation about our present circumstances and the fear of what might happen next, it is absolutely through the roof. In fact, to get us started today, let me ask you a question. And I want you to be real honest with yourself. Have you felt anxiety or worry in 2020, especially in the past Few months. And the truth is, if we're all honest, we would all say, yes, we have felt higher levels of anxiety and worry than maybe we've ever felt in our life. Now, here's the thing about worry and anxiety and fear. And this is true whether you're a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower. Most every one of us, if we are honest, we struggle with fear. But there's something else that is important to know about fear. In fact, you might want to write this down. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Don't miss that. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. In fact, think about it this way. For some of us, we have been filled with so much anxiety that we or somebody we know that and love would come down with COVID or others, it's a worry or um, anxiety about this whole election and what the outcome is going to be. For some of you, it's worry about the stability of the economy going forward. Others of you, it's anxiety about your finances or the stability of your job. Others of you, you have all this anxiety and you're worried about Relationships. And I know talking to a lot of you parents, a lot of you are really worried about your children in the season. In fact, the list could just go on and on and on of all the things that we are filled with worry and anxiety with because of fear. And as understandable as those anxieties and worries may be, each of those anxieties and each of those worries, they are a window into our relationship with God. Because see, where you trust God the most you experience the least amount of fear. But where you trust God the least, you experience the greatest amount of fear. And this is a problem because making decisions out of fear, it always comes with consequences. In fact, you might want to write this down. The primary consequence of making decisions out of fear is missed opportunities. See, the truth is, All of us, we can think back to opportunities that we missed on, and and we think, if only I had not been so afraid, or if only I had not been so worried, or if only I had not had so much anxiety. See, the primary consequence of making decisions out of fear is missed opportunity. So the question that we are answering today is this. How do we keep the right perspective in times of our greatest fear so we don't miss out on the opportunities that God has for us. Now, as we mentioned last week, in our current circumstances, Christ followers, we, we should be light in the darkness. We, we should be responding with peace, not panic, and generosity, not greed, and selflessness, and, and not selfishness. But that doesn't mean we don't fear fear. Because as we said last week, feeling fear is unavoidable. Acting in fear It is optional. See, fear, as we said last week, is a natural human response to the unknown, the uncertain, and the unexpected. But we don't have to act in fear. We can choose to act fearlessly. In fact, if you study the life and the ministry of Jesus, you discover he wasn't fragile, which means his followers shouldn't be either. His early followers, they certainly weren't when you study their life. They they did not act in fear over illness or loss or death or political issues. And don't miss this. Do you know what happens when you don't fear loss? When you don't fear losing something, you become this selfless and compassionate and extraordinarily generous kind of person because you don't have anything to protect anymore. And as followers of Jesus, that's what our community should see from us right now. And fortunately, we have been left an extraordinary example to follow. So to help us answer this question How do we keep the right perspective in times of greatest fear so we don't miss out on the opportunities God has for us? Today, we're going to look at a first century document we call Hebrews. It was a letter that was written to Jewish Christians. We don't know who wrote it, but the writer was addressing followers of Jesus who were wondering basically two things is it worth it, and is it working? Literally, is it worth it to follow Jesus in face of difficulty and persecution? Because the difficulty in the persecution that many of them were facing was very, very severe. I mean, you have to think about it. They were caught between the grip of the Roman Empire and the anger of the Jewish temple. And the second thing is, is it working? Is following Jesus and choosing compassion and love and kindness and generosity, is it really making a difference in our culture? Now, what you have to remember is 2,000 years ago, and this is why these questions were such a big deal for them back then, 2,000 years ago, no one had a clue what was going to happen with this small group of Jesus followers who believed that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, nothing was guaranteed from their point of view. Think about it. They could have never imagined seeing what we see today. They could have never imagined churches everywhere and experienced the movement of people following Jesus. They were just small pockets of people meeting early on Sunday mornings to worship their resurrected Savior before they headed off to work. And they believe that he was resurrected because they knew somebody who had seen him alive or knew somebody who knew somebody because this was only about 30 years after the resurrection. But things are really, really tough. And they are paying a very high price. It's costing them a lot to follow Jesus. So they're wondering, is it worth it and is it working? So the writer of Hebrews, he writes to encourage and remind them, it really is worth it, and it really is working. So what he does is he begins writing, and then when he gets to chapter 11, which we're going to look at today, he begins to remind them that while all these things are very difficult, they still have the choice to act in faith. And then he reminds them of all the people who came before them who chose also to act in faith. And he begins to tell them about all the people in Jewish scripture who set an example for them. He reminds them of people like Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and even Moses' mama. I mean, all these incredible people of faith who, when God made a promise to them, They chose to believe that he would do what he promised, that he would come through even when they didn't see how he would ever come through. And then after he tells them about that, he begins to shift his tone. And he begins to remind them of all the people who God promised them he would do something, but they didn't see it happen in their lifetime, yet they never stopped believing. And when you think about it from that perspective, that's Pretty remarkable faith, and that's pretty convicting for many of us because here's what we do we pray for something on Monday, and then we're doubting by Thursday if our prayer isn't answered. And then maybe we even say, God, you know, I'll give you like a week extension on this prayer request, and if He still hasn't answered our prayer, we're ready to quit, we're ready to give up. But the writer of Hebrew reminds us. That these people, they maintained their faith their entire lives, even though they never saw them answered. They remained faithful, and they continued to trust that God was faithful. And the encouragement is that we can be that same kind of person of faith. In fact, listen to how the writer describes some of these people. It is absolutely amazing. Some faced jeers and flogging. We talked about that last week. And even chains and and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And when you look at what these people were going through, you think... How did they keep the right perspective in times of their greatest fear? I mean, imagine being stoned to death for your faith in Jesus or being sawn in two. And they didn't give up on faith. How? We're going to answer that in just a moment. But it's like the writer, he has this moment of pause after he begins to realize and think about and reflect on all the things they endured and suffered. And then he writes this powerful, and he he writes this emotional moving tribute to them. He says this in the next part of the verse. He says, the world was not worthy of them. Wow, to have that statement written about your faith. And maybe he writes a statement because he's thinking about his own tendency to want to doubt in the midst of difficulty. And, and he's, he's kind of comparing his trust in God to what they demonstrated with their trust in God. Or maybe he writes this because he saw so many people not give up on their faith because of the difficulty and persecution. So he's really he realizes, wow, their faith, it is so remarkable. I don't want you to miss this. What this writer of Hebrews is basically saying is, there once was a version of faith, and there once was a version of faithfulness to God that was awe-inspiring to people. In fact, you might want to write that down. There once was a version of faith, and there once was a version of faithfulness to God that was awe-inspiring to people. To people. See, there was once a group of people who trusted God so deeply and even though others didn't fully understand them, they were inspired by them to a more selfless and more generous and compassionate kind of life. Now here's a thought for all of us to consider. Is that true of our faith today? That it is awe-inspiring to other people? In fact, he continues in the last part of verse 38, reminding us of the level of their faith. He says this. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Don't miss that line. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Now, this is where you and I begin to come into the picture. So I want you to pay attention to this next statement. He said, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made Perfect, And what does that mean? Well, in other words, they didn't see God's promise fulfilled because God was up to something so big and so special and so remarkable, and it wasn't just for them. It was for the whole world. It wasn't just better for them. It was better for all. And when Jesus came, he made it perfect. Or another way to say that is he brought it all to completion. So let me just kind of summarize for you what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, these people of faith, they lived before Jesus, and they were looking forward, and they remained faithful. Now, don't miss this. They were looking ahead, believing a promise would come true, even though it wasn't going to happen in their lifetime. They looked forward, and they remained faithful. Here's the challenge for us. Here we are looking back to the promise fulfilled and living fearfully. Here we are with the benefit of knowing Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again, and we are still acting in fear. And when you think about it, compared to them, who never saw the promise fulfilled, we should be the most confident, fearless, compassionate, selfless, faithful people, not because of what God has promised, but because of what he's already done. See, we've already had so much evidence that he is faithful. And that is why the writer of Hebrews, he says to this first century reader, and he says, To us, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says these words. Therefore, because of their faithfulness, being the example of faithfulness looking forward. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Literally, since we're surrounded by the examples of people like Noah. And Moses and Abraham and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and James and John and Sarah and Rebecca and Rahab and Mary Magdalene and Lydia and all these other faithful people over these past 2,000 years. He says, since we have this extraordinary cloud of witnesses who all say God can be trusted and they're all cheering us on, he says this. Let us whine about how our candidate didn't get elected, and let's criticize other people's opinions on Facebook and judge people based on whether or not they wear a mask in public and point fingers at the rich or the Chinese or the secular media or our school administrators for anything that makes us angry or uncomfortable and declare that America is going down the toilet and give up and pray it's the end times so that Jesus will come back so we don't have to deal with this anymore. Did I, did I miss anybody? I hope I offended all of us because here's why. Can you imagine how we sound to this great cloud of witnesses when they're looking down and they're saying, you're worried about what? You're scared about who? You're nervous or anxiety filled because of What? Here's what this writer of Hebrews has to say to all of us who are overwhelmed with anxiety and griping about all the difficulties that we're having to deal with in 2020. See, all of us who just want to point the finger and blame, here's what he really says instead of what I just read to you. Here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... People who were faithful, even though they would never see the promise fulfilled. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So what he's saying is, instead of blaming, instead of being critical, instead of being driven by fear, instead of being upset, instead of fueling and feeding the chaos, he says to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what? Is hindering me and what is entangling me? What's holding me back? What's keeping me from having the trust that God or that others have shown in much more difficult circumstances? What is keeping me from that? What's keeping me from being light in the darkness? What's keeping me from trusting Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he's promised that he will do? And then he gives us this great advice in the last part of verse 1. Let us look at what he says. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, instead of complaining or fussing, why don't you realize God has you where you are for a reason? You're at this place and you're in this time, for a purpose. He says, "How about you run with perseverance the race that he's marked out for us in this season and in this time?" Because what he's saying is this, nothing that's going on in our world is a surprise to God. So how about you endure? How about you persevere? How about you just keep trusting and loving and serving and giving even when it's hard? Even when it's difficult. Now, do you know how you do that? Do you know how you set aside the excuses and do you know how you set aside the blaming and, and move through the fear and act like anyone would who was confident that God was with them? Here's how you do that. He tells us in verse two Fixing, don't miss this. In fact, you want to underline this phrase Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So he says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. And I'm telling you folks, in this statement right here, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, we find the secret for how we keep the right perspective in times of greatest fear. See, the writer of Hebrews says... Your reaction to what is going on around you, it is determined by what or who you fix your eyes on. In other words, if you have your eyes fixed on safety or security or wealth or the economy or some politician or some political system, then whenever some circumstances threatens that, you're going to overreact. You're going to be filled with anxiety, and you're going to be filled with worry, and you'll be scared, and you will be so angry. He says, but if you fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, if you will fix your eyes on the one who marched down Main Street and Jerusalem, knowing death awaited him, the one who was fearless, not fragile. He says, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, even when there is something to be afraid of, you don't have to act in fear. Because here's why. You follow the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you are focused and you are the, and fixed on the one who cannot be shaken. And then he goes on and he says, oh, and if that's not enough to make the point that you should fix your eyes on Jesus, then the writer, he just pushes this even harder. And he reminds us in the last part of verse two and verse three, why we should be just so forward focused. He says, for the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he says, consider him. In other words, when you are about to give up, he says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, when you start to wonder, is it worth it to be generous now? Is it worth it to keep believing now? Is it working to pray now? Is it working to be compassionate now? Is it worth it to serve them now? He says, you just remember what your Savior did. You consider him who endured for you. And he says, then do not grow weary and lose heart. Don't stop following him. What do you do? You just do the next right thing because it matters, and it's worth it, and it's working. So here's the thing. If you're listening today and, and you're a Christ follower, I, I want you just to lean in for just a moment and listen real closely. On the other side of this crisis, people who are not following Jesus, they will think something of us when the phrase Christ follower is mentioned. And we get to choose what that definition of us is. And here's the thing. They can think of us as people who filled their social media feeds with well-intended but very unhelpful means like faith over fear and COVID stands for Christ over virus and infectious disease. Or they can think of us as a group of people who griped about politicians and inconveniences and people overreacting and people underreacting. Or they can think of us as a group of people who were light in the darkness because we showed up and we helped when nobody else did and we gave generously to meet needs when everybody else began to hold on to their money and we put others before ourselves and we sacrificed our own comfort for the sake of someone else. Listen, folks. In the coming weeks as followers of Jesus Christ, we get to write our stories And the question I have for you today is this. Will we be the people who, like Jesus, are selfless, compassionate, engaging, fun, accepting, and fearless? Will people who don't believe like us be glad that we're in their community? And it won't matter if we're Republican or Democrat. It won't matter who ultimately wins the election. It won't matter if you're rich or poor or male or female. What will matter is we all showed up and together, unified by a fearless Savior and a greater cause. Otherwise, we miss out on opportunities to make a difference in a world that needs difference makers. Otherwise, we miss out on opportunities to be light in a world that needs light. Listen, we've got a great cloud of witnesses throughout history who have set the example. And the writer of Hebrews says, let me tell you how you persevere. Fix your eyes on Jesus and follow. Because your reaction to what's going on around you is defined by what or who you fix your eyes on. And my question for you today is, who or what do you have your eyes fixed on today? My prayer is that you'll turn them to Jesus today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, that we will be tough as nails. It's the only way to be tough as nails in this season. And God, we ask you as followers of Jesus to forgive us for looking to anything else to create security or confidence or hope in this world. And today, we say, Jesus, we're fixing our eyes on you. We're going to focus on you, and and we understand that that is going to create a level of confidence. It's going to create a level of security that most of us have not experienced in our lifetime. And God, I just want to thank you that the circumstances of our world do not determine the security that we can have in Jesus Christ. I thank you that following and fixing our eyes on you, it changes everything. So today, as followers of Jesus, we, we fix our focus on you and if you're listening today and and you've been shaken in this world because you haven't ever fixed your eyes on Jesus you've never looked him to be your savior and your lord would would you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud will you say Jesus today I, I am so tired of being tossed around by this world and all the craziness of it and today I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior and my life leader. Today I choose to fix my eyes on you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And cleanse me. And I know this world's going to try to distract me. But I'm going to, best I know how, I'm going to keep coming back. And I'm, I'm going to keep listening and I'm going to keep learning. And I'm going to learn how to follow and stay fixed on you, Jesus. And if you just prayed that prayer, please let us know that you did that on your Connect card. We would so love to help you take some next steps. God, I thank you so much that your Holy Spirit, you will protect, you will preserve, and you will empower all of us to be able to stay fixed and focused on you. And I thank you for the confidence that we can have. And God, I just pray this week when we start to be shaken by looking around to the world, help us to again look to you, our Savior and our Lord, who came to this earth, lived and died and rose again. And may that remind us that you are faithful and we have nothing to fear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being with us today. Can't wait for you to experience next week as we are in part three of Tough as Nails. This week, I wanna challenge you, stay focused on Jesus, not what's going on in the world around us. We'll see you next Sunday.